Welcome to the Sports Innovation Podcast, presented by the IUPUI Sports Innovation Institute, located right here in beautiful downtown Indianapolis. I'm your host, Dr. Jeff Sherman, a full-time faculty member within the Sport Management Program here at IUPUI and a professional sports statistician here in Indianapolis. The Sports Innovation Podcast is designed to highlight innovative practitioners and scholars throughout sport and education to learn new and thought-provoking ways to improve our industry together. Thank you for listening to the Sports Innovation Podcast. Welcome to the Sports Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jeff Sherman, and joining me today is co-founder and partner of Edge Consulting, Christopher Scroggins. Chris is an, also an instructor of esports at Shenandoah University in Winchester, Virginia, with an expertise in the esports industry, strategic planning, and curriculum development. Chris, along with Dr. Joey Goriziak and Zach Harrington, founded Edge Consulting in 2019. And, in, and the reason they founded it was to develop and grow the esports industry by educating organizations through cons- consultation, content, and experience-driven expertise. Chris, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. And what a great intro. I mean, typically I try and I struggle to walk through what we do and you just absolutely nailed it. And so um, just really appreciate you having me here today and uh, look forward to talking esports and education and innovation. And and yeah, I, I, I'm pumped to be here. Appreciate your time. Well, I'm here to tell you, I'm excited to have you because I've been dabbling in esports for a couple of years, ever since the pandemic started. You know, I bought my first Xbox and built my first gaming PC. Yes, I built my own ga- gaming PC, right? Um, yeah. I only have a 2060. I did not get a 3080 or a 3090 because there's no way I can afford that. Um, but you know what I'm talking about when it comes to the 3080, 3090 and the 2060. Yes. Yeah. Especially especially right now. I mean, (laughs) it's all over the place with prices. Well, with them talking about potentially coming out with the 40 series this year, it's like, why are you doing that? You're making a mint off of the 30 series. But anyway, I digress. So I want to start this off by asking you the first question. Where did you get your passion for the esports industry? I can tell you're passionate about it. Where did it come from? Yeah, and you got to excuse me because we get super pumped about esports. And of course, being a gamer, I come in caffeinated, right? And so I'm going to be pretty animated. But um, yeah, from an early age, I played video games. I wasn't super passionate about it, though, um, until my high school years. And uh, I went to a sleepover my freshman year of high school, um, and my buddies had just bought Call of Duty. And they were like all about Call of Duty, Call of Duty. I'd never played Xbox Live, right? And this was the first time I was able to play against someone. And immediately I was hooked. I was really bad, but I was hooked. And I thought, I want to get really good at this. There was something really intriguing to me. I'd grown up playing sports, had played baseball from the time I could hold a bat up until that point, And thought, you know, <laughs> I'm five, seven and a half, uh, you know, a buck 75. I'm not playing at the next level. Let's find something else that I can get good at. And it was Call of Duty. And so... I poured hours after school. I I had a job and I would come home and practice. And I found a core group of people from my high school. And we ended up starting a team that 
at our peak in our duos was seventh in North America. And, and our team was top 32 in, in North America, I think at 118 and eight or 108 and 18, something like that. And playing against some of the top talent in the world, because back then on those free to play platforms, those were the only things to compete on, right? It wasn't really esports, And so I found my passion just stumbled upon it at a sleepover for esports, but really got hooked when I started to like get into the strategy of it. And, and I found that this is kind of like, this goes way beyond just shooting a gun in call of duty. This is like kind of chess, right? There, there's a ton of strategy. And so, um, got away from it for about 10 years. And then while I was getting my PhD stumbled back upon esports, I was substituting for a professor at the university of South Carolina. And, um, it was an esports elective and I didn't even know that was a thing like, you know, like, wow. Okay. Well, what I used to do is now formal and, um, yeah, just started diving back into the industry. That's wild to think, you know, you start out as that traditional sports person and then you head into this, right? I was playing RBI baseball back in the day. <laughs> I was playing double dribble and blades of steel, right? On, on the regular Nintendo, you know, and, and, and I'm sitting here thinking, where are we today? Now I'm dropping bombs in Fortnite, and I'm sitting there going, what am I doing? I'm 43 years old, but I really enjoy it, you know, and scoring goals in Rocket League and things like that. So you get it. I'm, I'm with you there. So, okay. So you guys have built something at Shenandoah, right? It's a very comprehensive program. And just looking at your website, right? It's got certificates. It's got all kinds of different areas within esports. So what brought this group of, of faculty together to conceive a program with such depth? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so great question. Uh, it was back in 2018, I think, is when the murmurs of esports started happening here at Shenandoah University. And um, the president actually tasked Dr. Joey Gariziak. Um, with starting a program. And so they started with a club level team and um, they quickly saw interest as most campuses do, right? Like you start offering esports and video gaming as a formal activity, students are going to flock. And so uh, the president came back and said, why don't we have a major in this? And Joey said, that doesn't exist. And she said, why don't we make it exist? And <laughs> he said, okay. And so he went to the drawing board and, and he started kind of trying to roadmap what this looked like. And Fortunately for me, he had heard some of my research out at um, an esports conference at UC Irvine, and um, I was one of the only people that was up and coming that was studying esports at the time. <laughs> just again, just luck, you know, luck of the draw. And so um, he reached out, said, "We're going to have a position open. We'd love for you to apply." And there was a ton of people that applied, and. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to get the job here. And then, um, Zach had been actually volunteering as a coach for a year. Um, and then Joey was like, I need more support on the competitive side. And so they brought Zach on full time, the same time they brought me in. And so Joey and I co-developed the curriculum while Zach specialized in streamlining the operations of our competitive program. And so, um, by happen chance, we all came together, but, uh, this was in 2019 fall of 2019 when we all started. And it was like, okay, let's figure this out. And we just started diving into it. Um, you know, now in 2022, I think we have 22 esports specific classes. Uh, we're now adding a whole concentration out of our uh, kinesiology performance side. Uh, not too involved with that, but uh, definitely have a passion for that side of the industry as well. But um, yeah, it was one of those things that there wasn't a ton of people doing what we were doing. 
we kind of came together, the few that were doing it and said, let's figure this out because you can't Google how to start a program. Right. Uh, and that's kind of what led to us starting edge shameless plug was because <laughs> we wanted it to be something that you could Google, right? Like how do we start an esports program? Well, let us help you. <laughs> so I just, I just, you guys started from scratch down there and why don't we have a major in this was the question. So <laughs> uh, where, where, where would the president get that idea that, that, that this could be popular enough to have a major? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it probably stemmed from her children. She has a few sons that play uh, video games. And I think that's where the club started. I mean, esports was starting to become a buzzword around and then she came to a few competitions um, that they were hosting, I believe, and, and a few practices and just saw what it was and was like, yeah, this is, this is going to be big. We should really invest in this um, and not even invest a ton of, you know, money, but invest time and resources to really help foster and grow a program. I mean, you see me sitting in our spectator arena, it's about 1600 square feet. So not even a huge arena, but this is the oldest armory, military armory in the state of Virginia. Um, and so we refurbished it and how cool is it? Our call of duty team gets to play right here in an old armory. <laughs> I mean, okay. And so, okay. Now that, <laughs> that might be the coolest thing that comes from this entire discussion is the fact that you've got a call of duty team playing literally in an armory, right? Yeah, no, it, it, the atmosphere in here is great. I mean, right now we, we don't have any of the bells and whistles on. We got some of the lighting behind us, but we can fit about 80 to 85 spectators in here. And we've had it at capacity prior to COVID and uh, it's loud. Let me tell you, I mean, it's an old, I mean, you can see the garage door behind me here. It's an old garage that we're in. And um, just off camera over here, we have a whole broadcast production center. And so the university saw this and was like, okay, let like, you know, conservatory is our biggest, one of our biggest programs here. And so that performance and like arts and communications and all of that already existed we just made it interdisciplinary and plugged esports into that. And so uh, it, it's been really fun piecing together one of the first, we were the first program in the, in the world to have a dedicated spectator arena, an academic major and a varsity level competitive team. And so what a great thing for a small liberal arts school out of Northwest Virginia, right? To have on their resume. Well, I'm, I'm sitting here. I don't know if you can see, but I am hearing the things that you're saying and my mouth keeps dropping. I mean, that is in and of itself, the, the quintessential definition of innovation. My gosh, that's wild to think about that. So let's step sideways a little bit. And you just bridged perfectly a moment ago before I sidetracked you with the Call of Duty and the Armory whatnot. What led you to develop the consulting side, the edge consulting business? Yeah. So like I was saying in fall 2019, as our um, program began to launch, we had people from all over the country, even the world reaching out and saying, Hey, we see that you launched a major, um, how, <laughs> you know, like, uh, it's not like your finance, your econ or whatever, where it's been around for forever and there's a textbook and you can adopt that textbook and, um, uh, somewhat you they provide powerpoint slides and then you just teach it right um obviously there's more complicated than that there's a lot of pedagogy that goes into that but um yeah so people started reaching out because there wasn't that solution uh and we started actually talking to more institutions <laughs> than we were actually focusing on our own program 
because the, the, we just saw the demand was so high. And I, I stepped into Joey's office one day during lunch and we all sat down to eat our sandwiches and over, you know, a turkey sandwich, I said, I think we need to start something here. And they said, how do we do that? I said, well, we just, we just start it, right? Like, just like we did the program. I, there's, there's not precedent for it. Let's just do it. And so we started as GHS Esports Solutions, actually, the, the first initial of each of our last names, and then rebranded um, about a year, about a year ago to today to Esports Development Growth Enterprise, because we really thought that that matched our mission to develop and grow the esports space in academia, but also the individual within that space, right? Everything we do has a learner-centered approach. And so really it grew out of demand of our time. Um, it was like, hey, we're talking to so many people. Let's formalize this because people were also like, we're willing to pay you to come out and do this. So it was a really unique business model in that we didn't have to market our company. Our company just kind of sold itself because of how niche it is. And we've been able to kind of diversify what we offer over time. But um, we, we felt really fortunate in that moment that, okay, we've done this. No one else has done it. Let's help others do it and help develop the learner and develop the scholastic esports space because we feel that the more schools that have a great esports program, it just legitimizes it and makes our program just that much better, right? Uh, we want to do it the right way. We want other people to do it the right way. So we set out to do that back in 2019. Amazing. I, I can't even, I don't even know. I mean, I just don't even know what to say. That's, I didn't know Edge stood for what it does stand for, right? <laughs> I just thought it was a cool, edgy name, right? But then you just, you just broke down the acronym for me and I'm sitting there like, hmm, that makes sense, right? So yeah. earlier I explained <laughs> your mission, right? Now there's a difference, right? A lot of people don't understand that there's a difference between vision, mission, and goals and objectives, right? So your mission was to grow the esports industry by educating organizations through consultation, content, and experience-driven <clears throat> expertise. What is the goal? What is the, the, the main goal objective of EDGE? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our, our goal is to one, create esports advocates everywhere we go. And I mean, that word's really strong, but I believe in that and that it's an activity that has such a negative stigma around it. Uh, it still has that perception of a, a basement dweller that, that, you know, is grinding whatever game they're playing. And so creating people that are educated, um, you know, we often talk to students here at SU, but also people elsewhere when we talk to the student presidents and stuff and say, let's educate you so that you can inform and not get defensive when someone pushes back. Right. And so create, create a dialogue about esports in academia and, really show the true value to the learner and to the people around it. I mean, I've benefited so much from educating people through esports. The things I've seen have just helped me grow as an individual and as a professional. So our goal one is to create esports advocates on every campus, right? Let us get, let us just talk to your administration. That first meeting is free 99 <laughs> and we're more than happy to just give you some resources to help you better understand it. Um, and then, you know, I think the other goal is to integrate esports in a way that's feasible for most institutions. We want to reduce that barrier of entry for schools and for learners to learn through esports, if that makes sense. So, what we found is not everyone wants a full fledged major. They might want a concentration, they might want a certificate, they might want one class. And at Edge, we're working on developing avenues for every school to have a little piece of esports 
so that their students can learn through gaming and esports. And so um, we've really focused on our goal is to help integrate curriculum or integrate esports specific offerings into pre-existing offerings on campus, whether that's already an extracurricular activity or pre-existing curricula that we can plug in some esports specific stuff, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. It makes sense. So by advocates, are you meaning people that students that will talk about the benefits of esports? How, how, how do you mean esports advocate? I guess define that for me. Yeah, no. And I think you nailed it in that educating these individuals about the value of esports and gaming. Cause again, at surface level has a negative stigma and we see in mainstream media, um, even the president, you know, a few years ago going on a press conference and, and looking down upon gaming and, and that's really hard to overcome. And, but we have some resources and stuff, you know, some videos on our YouTube that outline the benefits of esports. And in just three minutes, we've had people say, wow, this really changed my perspective on it. Uh, we've seen students come in with their parents and their parents are adamantly against it. And by the time they're sophomores or juniors, they say, wow, I really have seen a shift in my, in my um, child because of what is happening here. And so, yes, we want to highlight the benefits of esports and inform people, you know, these social emotional learning skills, I mean, learning resiliency, learning teamwork and, and just effective communication, all of these things happen through competitive gaming. And if we can have people that maybe ambassadors are a better word, right? Create an ambassador who can then go out and talk about this so that we can then have an open dialogue and reduce that barrier uh, or that negative stigma so that we can just like, again, have a dialogue. A lot of times we find that administration or people that are unfamiliar with it don't want to implement it because the unknown is scary. <laughs> and so if we can create ambassadors that can talk um, in a way that, that about esports that's positive, again, but authentically, we don't want to bend it in a, in a way that's not authentic in that, I mean, yes, there's some negatives of it, right? There, there's a sedentary lifestyle and all these things, but if we can create ambassadors who then can monitor this and notice those warning signs of dependency and, and a sedentary lifestyle, we can implement healthy habits to combat that. And so uh, I think that's what I, we mean is that positive side and just, ha just having that conversation and doing it in a way where we're again, not defensive, because that's what I found when I first entered the space was people would push back on esports, and the people within the industry were so passionate that they would get, they would get, offended almost and it's like the unknown scary let's just have a conversation and educate right it was it was downright nasty there for a little bit where people were talking about how you know how lazy you know people are and when it comes to esports and gaming when in reality there's a lot more that goes into it. i found that out believe it or not i'm not i was never a naysayer i just was a person that <laughs> i was a person that said why would i want to do that and then i started doing it a couple of years ago when the pandemic hit and i was going you know what? This is a nice outlet for me. You know, yeah. this is this is a chance for me to connect with friends, you know, on an Xbox party or in Discord or whatever and be able to 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 chat with them, not just chat with them, not just play with them, but chat with them, play with them, talk about things. I mean, I don't even I can't even tell you how many countless hours I spent after we were done playing just <laughs> chatting with people, right? You know, and it's right. it's just gotten to the point where people I think are starting to come to the realization that it can be 
positive. Yeah. yeah. And mind if I call you Jeff? Yeah, I, no, not at okay. all. Absolutely. <laughs> no, Jeff, you nailed it. I mean, the fact that like, that's, that's exactly what we say, right? Is you don't know until you do it. Like, and, and for some reason, I don't know, I haven't seen many other activities. Like if I, I'm an avid fisherman, people understand fishing. Um, I mean, they might do it and think it's boring, but they understand the act of it. But breaking down that mental barrier of what esports is, it, it's really difficult when you're trying to explain it to someone that's never seen it or, or played competitively. But as soon as you do it, you can see the light bulb go off and it's like, wow. And so that's what we encourage people is, go do it. Like one of our partners, the CEO of one of our partner companies doesn't really know what esports is. They're, they're from traditional education. That's okay. Um, they're, they're great curriculum, um, experts and, and they're awesome people, but they're going to go play league of legends as a squad. Their staff is going to go play league, um, in a competitive environment to figure it out. And I thought that was super cool of them to do because they were like, Oh, we can't really, uh, you know, make an effective curriculum if we don't know it. And so let's go do it. Um, and, and so that's awesome to hear that, you know, once you did it, you're never a naysayer, but once you did it, you're like, Oh, Okay, I get this now. Hey, listeners, just a quick time out and we'll get right back to today's episode. The Sports Innovation Journal is currently accepting submissions. If you're seeking a place to publish your innovative ideas and research on the sport industry, then consider submitting your work to the Sports Innovation Journal. The Sports Innovation Journal is an open access journal targeting the practitioners seeking answers to the most common questions and problems in the industry. We're always looking for submissions from researchers who are identifying and studying those questions and problems. If you're interested in publishing your work in or serving as a reviewer for the Sports Innovation Journal, please visit the link in the notes or contact Dr. David Pierce, the editor of the SIJ and director of the IUPUI Sports Innovation Institute at dpierce3 at iupui.edu. That's D-P-I-E-R-C-E-3 at iupui.edu. Now let's get back to today's episode of the Sports Innovation Podcast. Well, and the reason why I was never a naysayer was because, you know, I used to play when I was young, you know, and, and that was, yeah. I'd come home from school and I'd play, you know, Sega Genesis or I would play whatever. And then I, during college, I was an N64 junkie. I played Same. GoldenEye, <laughs> I played San Francisco Rush, and I played WrestleMania 2000, which by the way is still to this day the greatest <laughs> wrestling game ever. Somebody wants to fight with me on that one, I will. Um, but yeah, it, 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 the pandemic hit, I bought the Xbox and my kids got into it. It was mostly for my kids, but then I started doing it. And then I went away to the bubble, to the NBA bubble, and I took it with me. And I had nothing to do for 60 days while I was cooped up in Orlando, right? Yeah. And so that was what I was doing in my off time. And in the meantime, I thought to myself, why can't I do something more with this? You know, and, and that's the sedentary lifestyle. Now that's something I got to figure out. So if you have somebody that can help me with that, I'm totally kidding. Right. <laughs> but no, in reality, I, it does lead to a sedentary lifestyle if you're old and decrepit like this guy. But, you know, if you could figure out how to, to combine that with an exercise regimen, you know, you're looking at some of these streamers and some of them, all they do is stream cut video, work out, and make a mm -hmm. lot of money doing it. Yep. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's the part with me that I'm just sitting here going, I I'm never going to make money off of it. But at the same time, I'm just sitting here like, the possibility does exist, you know, of Definitely. doing something with it, right? And a yeah. lot of students I don't even know realize that, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and one of our classes here, esports performance. So my, my undergraduate education is actually in exercise science and physiology, um, which I'm really fortunate. It just makes me dangerous enough to like, say, Hey, I think you're doing that lift wrong. Um, and to know a few guidelines and standards, but that's about it. But, um, I was tasked with developing the performance class. And so I dusted off my old books and, um, started making, you know, the, this, this esports performance class, that goes into really the general basis of it is holistic wellness, right? How can we fulfill the dimensions of wellness? And I mean, you're hitting on it like, okay, exercise is great. That's physical wellness. But a lot of these streamers that you see uh, that are successful or players, yes, it's mental, right? And that's the biggest barrier that we've seen, not only with our students, but others around the industry is you have to have this right in order to succeed because your whole life is digital, right? It, it, we our society is moving more and more digitally, but when your life is almost fully existing online, you can't cut it off. And, and so how we were just talking about this yesterday in the office, one person criticizing me upsets me. I can't imagine 40,000 on a stream criticizing me. Right. And so that's what we talk a lot, a lot about in our performance class is the cognitive wellness and, and the, and the, you know, ways that we can, put ourselves in a better position after a tough loss. So taking a walk, meditating, breathing patterns, all of these things, because that's really what leads to the people that are doing it successfully. I mean, you look at these large streamers, they know when they need to take a break and they'll go on a week vacation and that might upset a few of their fans, but if they don't do that, they're going to fizzle out and burn out. And so, yeah, it's not only the sedentary stuff, but I'm glad that you pointed to your head because it, it's, it's a lot of mental in esports. Well, and that's what I, that's what I found, you know, following some of these streamers is that the majority of the time they disappear mm -hmm. because they're having mental health issues when it comes to how they're being perceived or something fell through or, you know, things like that. Content creators mostly. And a lot of students talk about, I want to be a content creator. I want to, you know, do this and that with social media and things like that. But I don't know if they understand what that entails specifically. Yeah. I think they see these people con creating content. Well, I can do that. You sure can, but can you <laughs> deal with what happens on the backside of it, right? Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about how, how have you gotten your students, the ones that are on your varsity roster, the ones that are in your classes that are really into this, how have you gotten them to follow the path I think that you set for them? <laughs> that, that's a great question. Um, you know, a lot of times it's difficult because they're stuck in their ways. That's how they've always done it. And a lot of the students that we have got here because they were really good individually, you know, they're solo queuing and, and, and they're just dominating and then they want to come take it to the next level and they come here. And so a lot of times they're resistance because their way has always been the way, um, but I, I think having them, we have a beginning of the year meeting where with all of our students, you know, this, this arena is packed. We have two to three sessions. We have about 130 to 150 students involved in our program at some level. Um, and we set the ground rules, you know, we, we discuss the culture of our organization and the dynamic of, of an effective team and all of these things and, and how we're going to try to set them up for success. And we just ask for trust. And, and so we try to treat them like our colleagues. I mean, I know that's a weird, like some people might say, oh, no, no, academia, they're students. 
And yes, there's that line of mutual respect there, but we treat them as colleagues. And I think we earn the respect early on. And then it's about surrounding themselves with people or them with people more qualified than me. Right. So I coach our call of duty team. Um, it's been a pleasure. Um, we went from two and 10 last year to top 20 in the country this year. And there were some things that we went used along the way, just about taking breaks and discussing how we feel and discussing team dynamic, but then also partnering with our counseling center here with student affairs, with our athletic training program to provide them um, physical wellness assessments, to provide them um, with mental health counselors. And, and so I think that they go, <laughs> I think that we earn buy-in from our students. I'm trying to figure out a way to phrase this because they can see that the institution's investing in their passion, right? And up until this point, no one's ever invested in their video game passion. And so just having a coach is great, but also when that coach is going out and trying to advocate for what's best for you, that makes them feel valued and, and, and heard. And we've heard that this year, um, because we started our wellness initiative and they said, we actually feel heard by the institution. Like we wanted some of these resources and we got them. And they're like, that's not like a common thing where I can voice at my institution. Like I want this. And then it just happens. Right. And so, um, you know, again, for schools that don't have the financial resources to pour into it, it's just mentorship. Um, it's, it's, it's the sweat equity, right? It's the hours in the arena and being present. I cannot stress enough being present to get that buy-in from students. And I don't know if that answers your question, but, um, we try to invest in multiple different ways, both with resources, but with time. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, it's a problem across majors, right? That's a problem across majors where how do you get buy-in? How do you get them to engage? How do you get them to do the things that you need them to do for them to get out and get a job, you know, and that, and right. that's the part that it's the buy-in part that you talked about, um, which I think is, is very, very important, which maybe I'm crazy, but we, we, we get that buy-in and all of a sudden the student starts to flourish, you know, and, yeah. and whereas the student who doesn't buy in and instead just kind of sits on the edge skeptical and you're just like, I, you're an A student. Why can I not get you to go do the things you need to do to get the job? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's... And yeah. And not to cut you off, but we, no. in that pre semester meeting, we tell them you got to meet us halfway, like getting an A in the classroom is great. Like I'm an instructor. I would love that. However, we put together an advisory board for our department that has about seven professionals ranging from directors of high school esports up to the CEO of professional organizations that we bounce ideas off of and we ran our curriculum by them as we were building it. And they've been great resources for internships and all these things. And the thing they tell us is experience, right? They have to have hands-on experience to understand as we were talking, you don't know it until you do it. And so um, that's another thing that we've seen a great buy-in is we almost operate as a professional esports organization. You know, although we're not playing at the professional level, everything behind the scenes as this, is as if you were working at a professional org. So we have people collecting B-roll during competition. We have shoutcasters. We have people doing interviews during breaks. We have people compiling instant replays. Uh, we have student coaches and students working on exercise plans and routines for wellness. We have students that are just forming these committees and, and basically staffing our department across the board. And we always, I, I love talking about the success of our program 
not because I want to brag about what we did, but I want to brag about what our students are doing, right? Because they are the ones after we set up kind of the shell that have taken it and just made it amazing. And so um, I think that they are invested in it and we got that buy-in because they're doing it and they understand if we don't do it, we're going to, you know, we won't have this international brand anymore that we've worked so hard to build. Um, which is kind of a lot of pressure, which is why I say we focus on mental well-being a lot. But, um, you know, they, they've really stepped up to the plate and our, our students are rock stars. So once you once you set something in place, the stress level, you, you get something, you get it to here and the stress level's here. But you get it to here and the stress level is like this, right? I mean, it's, right. it's massive. And I couldn't imagine the success that you guys have have seen so far. What? how do you maintain right that's that's yeah. the part that's the killer right so right. so your website and this is a plug for for your website edgeconsulting.gg <laughs> right edgeconsulting.gg uh, it talks about the services you offer which i think you've explained pretty much the services but what's your process what is the process yeah. that you go through for anybody that might be seeking your consulting services that's a great question. And uh, thanks for plugging the website. We're redoing that services page soon. So if you're visiting there, um, it's hopefully going to look a little better. But um, yeah, the process is important. And I'll tell you, Jeff, it, it's evolved over time in that when you hear consultant, you think deliverables, honestly. And that's how we started because schools at the beginning of esports wanted to, us to get in and get out, you know? And so it was very much like, hey, here's the proposal, it has six deliverables let's set dates for those and then we'll move on. However, we saw about 40% of our clients returning and saying, okay, it's set up. We need help. And so we started to shift our, our mindset from this deliverable based approach to a service oriented approach and an outcome based proposal, right? Rather than let's do billable hours, blah, blah, blah. We meet with the school or meet with someone from the school and we say, we often ask, you know, five or six questions. And, and a few of those are, what's the vision and goal of esports at your institution? How does it align with the greater mission of the institution? What are challenges? What are resources? And there's, there's a more list there, you know, but that gives us kind of an idea of where they want to go. And so then we'll step back. We'll put together a proposal that's customized for their campus and say, this is how we feel that we could help you. Yes, it's based on other clients that we've worked with, but we've plucked best practices from across the country where we've, where we've planted that edge flag on campus and, and we're putting them together to bring you a unique experience for your learners. And so it starts with that meeting and learning what their goals and their mission is. It's then getting them that proposal. And then from there, we set up a timeline and, and we, we start diving in. And, and what I want to emphasize to people is <sighs> consultants don't always have the answer right? I mean, that's, that sounds like bad, <laughs> a bad thing to say from a co-founder and CEO of a consulting company, but it's really working in tandem with their institution to know what's best for them, right? And, and that's what we emphasize is we're going to take a lot of the lifting off of your plate. However, let's set up some meetings throughout this process so that we can better understand what you need from us, how we can tweak what we're doing, and how we can set up a prolonged relationship on your campus so that we can set up your program for long-term success and sustainability, right? Because when esports first started, people launched programs and within a few years, they folded. And it was because it's hot now, let's do it, but there's no plan. And so 
what we do is with that initial meeting, one of the first deliverables we often say on a campus is a strategic plan, right? And after we get the curriculum, so we are services, Jeff, kind of to backtrack, help get the curriculum through the curriculum approval process. We can build on it from there if they want more like robust offerings, but we help them get from, you know, A to M. So then we can go from N to Z and the support services or whatever that might look like. And that's not really deliverables. It's just helping guide them through that process of implementation. And so I don't know if that makes sense, but our, our approach is very much, again, outcome focused. Um, we often give a deliverable, you know, the few deliverables we give, people might say, oh, like, I don't think this would fit the campus that great. What do you think about changing it to this? It's like, yes, that's awesome. Let's make that adjustment and let's have a, a bigger discussion around what that means for your campus, right? So that we can better learn how to fit the needs of your learners on the second half of this. And, and so it's really been cool just talking with different campuses and talking about launching programs out of liberal arts, business, sport management, the law school. I mean, certificates, concentrations, majors. It, it's really been interesting to see what we've been able to do with institutions. And I think we've gotten really great feedback thus far about being able to customize the experience to them while still taking on more clients. I mean, scalability is hard, but um, we put in the hours to make it work and to provide that premium service to our clients. Man, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm, we've got a student organization on our campus um, that, that is into the gaming and into the esports, and I just feel like it's, it could jump off the map if there was, if, if there was any way we could bring you guys uh, on board, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I've got this thing in my head that's spinning <laughs> right now, you know, and I, I don't know if I really want it to spin, but I'm actually sitting here going, well, maybe I need to. Um, but so getting a little <laughs> bit more candid with you for a few minutes um, sure. before, before I get you off here. Um, so tell me about like the, the, the arena. You've talked a little bit about the arena. You've got a whole bunch of workstations in there. Um, you can find out more about that at su.edu slash esports. Um, but a little bit more about that. Like, what was the best moment that has happened within your esports arena? Mm. Yeah. I mean, so I, I got to really shout out Joey and Zach because they started designing this thing. Um, a few months before I got here. And, uh, what's funny is <laughs> we made a lot of mistakes. I'm not putting that on them because a lot of mistakes came in after it was renovated and, and us, um, you know, building it out. But those mistakes have led to a lot of, a lot of beautiful moments with our students in that they come up with the creative solutions to solve them. Right. And so like, if you look behind me, a prime example, we have six on six, it's hard to see, but red and blue home and away so that we can host lands here. Um, but we made it tiered for ADA accessibility as you should to be as inclusive as possible. However, we did not think about sight lines from the top rows behind me diagonal, right? So the top row of blue can see the bottom row of red and the top row of red can see the bottom row of blue. And so the beautiful moment is watching our students come up with creative ways to solve these issues when we host LAN events. And so that might be creating dividers to block sight lines. That might just be uh, hiring more tournament admins to truly just stand there and be the esports bouncer. Um, but those are the, some of the beautiful moments. I know that's 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 a, a cop out answer, but watching the learning experiences in here, I can tell you, probably there's there's two things in my mind that really stand out. When the space just got finished, uh, we hosted a 72 hour. 
um, charity stream for the Call of Duty endowment, which helps veterans find jobs once they get back from overseas. Um, and our students just on the spur of the moment said, yeah, let's do it. The new Call of Duty came out 72 hours. We got an arena and there were students sleeping in here. There were, I mean, for 72 hours straight, they live streamed. And you know, of course, Joey and I hopped in on it at some points and stuff and made sure that they were going and taking breaks and fed. But that was really cool just to see like how excited they were as soon as we got the space. Um, but then the first year we did our event management class, uh, we actually reached capacity for the first time. We were at 101 people in here for a student-run Call of Duty gunfight tournament. And we had students, this is the beautiful part, Jeff, is we had students from nursing. We had students from esports. We had the baseball team. We had the football team. We had the lacrosse team. You know, That's awesome. This, this was something that was student-run, student-organized for a class project, but it turned into something bigger in that we saw that this could build a sense of community. And that's what we wanted in this space is there's a lot of open space just to my right here. And it has modular furniture and tables where students pre COVID were coming in here doing homework together, eating, just coming in and hanging out. People would have fundraisers and graduation parties and stuff in here. And so seeing that event with that, the greater SU community coming together, I get chills just even thinking about it still, which sounds super cheesy. I get them. I'm getting I mean, them, hearing it, them for the first it, time. It, it, it's powerful to see a student run event, bridge the gap of different social circles and, and just all different backgrounds. I mean, I come from, I went, my undergrad's James Madison University, my PhD's University of South Carolina, both larger schools, great athletic programs. And I'm not saying that the athletes don't socialize with people from across campus, but a lot of times you don't see that. You won't see the captain of the lacrosse team talking to the captain of the League of Legends players. And yeah. that's something that at that event I saw, wow, we've, we've accomplished something here. This is really cool. That, that might be the greatest, that might be the greatest. You don't even need to have another moment to go with that one, right? The 72 hour stream, that is, wow. But just the day-to-day, -day, hearing about the day-to-day -day of coming together in a sense of belonging and a sense of community where some captain of a baseball team might be a big World of Warcraft person yeah. and no one knows it and he keeps it quiet, right? And, but yet now he's hanging out with the World of Warcraft people and he's got a place to do it. That, 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 that's community and belonging all together in one. And yeah, that's amazing. Ex wow. Exactly. In the fall, our call of duty team in the fall, what consisted of two lacrosse players, a baseball player and a football player. Um, and our first event here on land behind us, several students from each of those teams showed up to support their friend. That's they awesome. were here cheering for their friend playing esports, And I awesome. thought that's why we built this man. Like, I get, I get so fired up. Like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, like, man, I, it seems so cheesy at times, but it, it, if again, you have to experience it to see the impact that it has on our learners. Wow. That's, that's just amazing. Well, thank you, Chris. I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this up and uh, I appreciate you coming on and talking about edge, talking about Shenandoah again, edgeconsulting.gg and su.edu slash esports. Those are the homes of Shenandoah university and edge consulting thank you chris one more time and thank you for everybody listening and watching and hopefully you'll enjoy the next edition of the sports innovation podcast thanks for having me you've been listening to the sports innovation podcast presented by the iupui sports innovation institute you can check out the research conducted by the sii get more information on the sports innovation journal and check out the research conducted by some of our students and much much more by going to our website at sii 
iupui.edu. Subscribe for the latest episodes, and thank you for listening to the Sports Innovation Podcast.